Drive with Goodman and Fry, presented by Silterhar Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silterhar Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Terry. Welcome back to Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Fry. There are a lot of uh, there are a lot of adept, multi-talented journalists covering hockey in, and uh, in Denver. And Ryan Bolding is about as versatile as you can get, and has has uh, done a terrific job of delivering hockey coverage for NHL.com, Colorado Hockey Now, and even Mile High Sports Saturday Noon Hockey Show. So it's time for the lead. The lead is presented by Smoke and Dave's Barbecue and Brew, Colorado's best barbecue since 2007. Get some tonight in Denver, Longmont, Lions, and Estes Park. So we go out to the netherworld with uh, Ryan Bolding. And what did we learn from that game last night? Oh, for me, I learned that the crowd in Denver is very, very, very loud. <laughs> you think it's loud everywhere, though? I don't know. I don't know if it is loud everywhere. I just want to hear a player say uh, the crowd wasn't very good. <laughs> that would be the day, wouldn't it? Yeah. The team would be for sale the next day, I think. <laughs> I just want to hear the crowd sing the na-na-na-na part of all the small things. Can we hear it? Can you do it for us? I, I, would, never, I would never be caught dead doing it. Well, Ryan, most importantly, have you learned the song yet? Because you gotta, I know you're impressed, Ro, but when the song comes on, you got to take those, you know, rules away of being silent, man. You got to you gotta sing along, man. You know all the uh, the lyrics yet? Oh yeah, I love that <laughs> song. I was a Blink fan back when it was uh, cool to be a Blink fan. It may have not even been cool to be a Blink fan back when I started, but I'm a big fan of the song. I love it. I love that they had Mark Hoppus, the the bass player, and one of the singers tease it for the building, and the crowd was rocking last night. You were part of the drama to be around Darcy Camper on Media Day, and then. Uh, last night after the game when he kind of alluded to the fact that he might have fibbed to, fibbed to us a little bit about when he was told he was going to be the starter in game one. Do you think he was the right choice, and how do you think he played? I do. I go back to the same thing that Jay Woodcroft did with Mike Smith in that Edmonton series, which is, you know, the man got us here, and we're going to stick with him until it makes sense not to. And so it wasn't a surprise to me that Darcy started, I think, you know, it was kind of one of those secrets where we all really knew the answer, but Jared Bednar maybe played a little more coy than we expected. But, uh, you know, John Cooper at his press conference pregame uh, had everybody joking about how didn't we all know who the starter was already? <laughs> well, you made a good point on that one. What, what, what would you think? Obviously, you saw how, um, you know, Darcy Kemper played last night. How would you grade him? If you would go from A to F, how would you grade him and his performance last night? And... A second one on that one. How much? How long of a leash would you give Darcy Kemper in the Stanley Cup final? Well, that's a great question. I would go with my grade as being, I would say, like a solid B, B plus. I think uh, the first goal um, was a little bit of a, a, a fluke, where the who was it? Nick Paul lost the yeah. puck, yep, yep, yep. and then just got a little bit uh, enough touch back on it to send it kind of caroming toward the net, and it was enough to throw Darcy off in his slide. I think if he has been playing regularly, if he's healthy um, prior to that, if they don't have eight days off, that's probably something he stops pretty easily. But I can't really blame him for anything going on. Jared Bednar was quick to defend him post game. All the players, you know, they heap love and praise on him 
as far as the leash goes, uh, I saw an interesting stat that if the, the trend continues, that Kemper and Francois could have the worst save percentage of a tandem to win the Stanley <laughs> Cup ever, um, which is interesting. Uh, and it speaks to the way that the team plays in front of them. So I would say, you know, if, if he faltered in back-to-back games or had a really bad game too, I would probably change gears to Francois. But it would also depend on how the team's playing in front of them. If you got a, a a team that's just not performing, I don't know that any goalie fixes that. There are no Chico Rush and Billy Smith. No. So yeah. Last night they got they got a combined one point from Nathan McKinnon and Kale McCarr, and they won the game. And we're sitting here wondering about the the, the quality and long term capability of the goaltending. I look at it and say they 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 it's another example of a night that. In some ways, they were not on. They didn't get big contributions from the Stars, and they still won. In this case, it always seems to, in many cases, one of the beauties of this team is they win on the nights they're not particularly good, especially in January, that run where where they just managed to find ways to win. They're playing with the, the uh, first or second best team in the NHL last night. They found ways to win. That speaks so much to the depth and the way that guys have stepped up. I think JT Comfer has looked like one of the best players in the last three, maybe four games uh, for this team. And you've got the depth guys contributing. You've got a guy like Burakovsky who can go from um, not looking great, being out of the lineup, coming back into the lineup, getting hurt, being out of the lineup, coming back in, and then making a huge contribution like that. And on the other side, you know, without the, with the exception of that Kucherov Palat goal, which was incredible. I mean, a lot yeah. of that, their top players were noticeably absent. I think I only noticed Steven Stamkos on the ice twice in that whole game. And the second time he was obviously noticeable. And the first time is because he was make, he gave a puck away. So, uh, Kucherov has a really bad giveaway on their power play there. He throws the puck right to Landeskog for an easy clear. Um, and then, the next shift he has is a really nice goal, um, but it, I think it speaks to the depth of both teams and really the depth of Colorado. That if McKinnon and McCarr and the you know those guys aren't going, that there are other players who are more than capable of picking up the slack or at least finding the space to contribute. Well, the way to retrench would be if they got Kadri and Cagliano back. I understand and heard uh, Jared Bednar today say he was a little hopeful that a little more hopeful they've made some progress. They they're hopeful they might play in this series. What do you think? I know they skated today on the kind of an optional practice, and both with sticks with Sean Allard, Allard, Sean Allard, and uh, I think it's interesting. I still feel like it's a bit of gamesmanship. How how good is a cadre that can barely hold a stick? If you can't take face-off draws and he's not on the power play, all he can be is defensive. Yeah. That's exactly it, and maybe he he serves a purpose like Drysaddle did in that last series, where he could still pass and he was still dangerous, even though he couldn't move around too well. But I just think for the Avalanche, what brings them success is a, a fast pace, a tenacious forecheck, and a real strong scoring ability and threat. And if you don't, I mean, you have that even in the fourth line. So if you have a guy who's who's not that, I'm not sure that he's serving the purpose. All right, Ryan, let's fast forward to Game 2 happening on Saturday night. Obviously, we know how dominant Tampa Bay has been um, since the 2020 postseason. They are 17-1 and coming off a loss, and the only loss they had was against the New York Rangers in Game 2. And, oh, by the way, they lost that game, came back and won four straight to win that series. So what do the Avs need to do in Game 2 to go up 2-0? 
It's been interesting because you hear both teams talk about what they need to focus on and what they can control is what they do, and they're not worried about the other team. But I think they're that's a, a little uh, hiding the fact that both of these teams are exceptionally impressive, and you can't, like you said, ignore the fact that Tampa is very good after a loss, and they're very good even down in a series. You can't count them out. Um, I found it interesting that Bednar said he, he paid a lot of attention to how Toronto played against them. So he may have identified some weaknesses, but this is a, a smart coach in John Cooper and a very skilled and strong team and perhaps the best goaltender in the world. So if you're the Avalanche, you have to double down on what you did right, and you have to find a way to create space for Kale McCarr and Nathan McKinnon and Miko Rantanen. Uh, Jared Bednar switched his power play up a little bit and some of the positioning, and I don't think it worked very well for the Avs in that game. There's a, an opportunity where I think Miko would have scored on the back door on a power play, but it was Lane Descog over there. You know, the, the things that got you to this point in the season, you need to go back to and, and fall back on and allow them to, to happen and take this team to the cup or not. It's interesting to me that he's still willing to experiment he had said one point to coming down the stretch, he wanted to experiment to see what he had. Well, this is kind of the period that that was designed for, to see what you have, how you can adjust deep in the playoffs. And he's still, as you mentioned, he's still kind of tinkering. Yeah, and it doesn't surprise me. I think each team poses a different threat. And the, to me, the thing that makes Tampa so dangerous is that the way that they've handled different teams and different good teams on their side. I don't think the Avalanche faced a similar challenge outside of maybe St. Louis. That was probably the best team they faced. You know, we got to be honest in that Nashville wasn't there, had to battle really hard to make the playoffs and, and got steamrolled. And their goalie. Less. And their goalie. Yeah, third. third string. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Third string goalie. And then, you know, I'm no, no disrespect to Mike Smith, but um, he's a wildly unpredictable goalie that at times can do too much, I think. And his unconventional nature is part of a dying breed, you know, one with Marc-Andre Fleury, where they're not these textbook, you know, form-based guys. And so I'm not sure that Ottawa or Edmonton, sorry, stood much of a chance against the Avalanche. And then you've got St. Louis. That's the best fight they faced. Mm -hmm. And even they were without their starting goaltender for most of the series. So, you know, I think there's a real challenge being presented here against a team that can be a bit of a chameleon. Saturday's a jam-packed day with the morning skate and the availabilities after and Eric Goodman's wedding and all of that. So what's coming up? Are you going to be able to do the Saturday hockey show on Mile High Sports Radio at noon? We are planning on it with Danny. I think we've been, JJ, my partner, and I have been tossing back and forth whether we want to try and do it at noon or do it at 1 because 1 o'clock gives us more time to get there, but it gives us less time afterward, right? Yeah. But we're in the process of trying to lock up guests right now, and we've got a a lot of international and national media to schmooze and try to get on the show, and I I may try and get a a former Stanley Cup champion of the Avalanche on as well. Nice. I've been uh, holding off making that phone call. Well, thanks, Ryan. We'll uh, keep us updated on who who it's going to be, and uh, it'll be fun to listen. Yeah, I will do so. Well, thanks, Ryan Bolden of NHL.com, Colorado Hockey Now, and Mile High Sports Saturday Noon Hockey Show. He also raises his hand emphatically and gets in a lot of questions. And it's kind of, uh, that's a real fun experience we can talk about. Let's do it. Another day. So we'll be right back after this.